Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Five Star Zone podcast with Rico Beard and the Big Ten Network's Howard Griffith. Welcome to the Five Star Zone, Rico Beard, Howard Griffith. Howard, hope you had a great holiday. And I think we got the game that we wanted. One versus two, undefeated versus undefeated, national title game, the University of Michigan and the Washington Huskies, which – Will be a Big Ten matchup next year. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we. I think, I think I, I'm trying to think. Do they play each other next year? They do. <laughs> it's going to be the rematch. Now, next year's game won't have as much on the line. The winner of that game, well, you get to sing the fight song. The winner of this game, Man. you get confetti, you get a trophy, you get commercials, you get a whole lot of stuff with everything on the line. Michigan versus Washington Howard. I'm looking at this game, and then I see a battle of wills. Washington can – It's this is an offense that I don't think Michigan has seen. No, all no doubt. But for – and, you know, the offensive line is good. Now, for Michigan, I, I've said it, man. The defense won you the Rose Bowl. They did, man. They, 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 they made Alabama – man, they made Alabama look like Minnesota, okay? And that's no offense to Minnesota. Yeah. That didn't look like Alabama. When the center can't hike the ball, uh, you know, Milrow, the final play of the game, it's like they look confused out there. And, that's, and I guess I had a higher standard for Alabama. Yeah. Fair or unfair, it's Bama. But Michigan mm-hmm. did. They slayed the dragon. Bama's the gold standard. Even though Georgia was back-to-back champion, everybody mm-hmm. always says what? We want Bama. Yeah. Michigan got Bama. Michigan took care of Bama. I think for this game – I look at the offense, and the offense is going to be the thing that has to for Michigan to win. And it's not a shootout between J.J. and Michael Penix. Mm-hmm. I think Michigan has to take a page out of what they did in Penn State. You know what? We couldn't stop the pass, so we're just going to slow this thing to a crawl. We're going to possess the ball for seven, eight, nine-minute drives and limit what Michael Penix and Kalen DeBoer can do on offense. Yeah, I think when you look at when you look at this Washington team, um, you start to go down the line. You start to put check marks on you know quarterback, wide receiver, offensive line. Uh, when you look at the offenses, that's what you can do. Um, defensively, I think Michigan is right there. I think one of the issues Michigan has got to get cleaned up. They got to get special teams cleaned up. Yeah, because 
Washington will score. You give them a short field, you can forget it. They're putting six points on the board or and then seven. So, you know, they're going to have to make sure they get that part of the game cleaned up. And you're right, it's not going to be a shootout necessarily between the two quarterbacks. Defenses are going to have to be able to show up. This Michigan defense will be challenged this time with talking about going against probably the best wide receiver group that they've seen all year. I know we talked about Ohio State, but you still need somebody to be able to get you the football. Ohio State did not have that um, this year. Washington has a guy that not only can get them a football, but we talk about 70-20 balls all day long when you talk about Ohio State and Marvin Harrison Jr. All these guys over there in Washington is 70-20 balls. So, you, you know, you have to be able to to play. And they've got the secondary. I believe they can do it. Yeah. I, I would even say with Roma Dunze, it's, it's like 90-10 because yeah, if you, he doesn't catch it, he's getting a penalty. Yeah. So <laughs> this man, I, I've never seen anybody draw a flag unless since Michael Irvin, where when he goes up, yeah. You know what? He ain't catch it. You know, let's just throw that flag because he must have. You must have interfered with this guy. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be a heck of a battle. Um, no question about it. But you know, there, there's some things out there that that you know Michigan has to, as I said, have to clean up. You come out talking about that first round. It wasn't a perfect, not even close to being a perfect game by them, but they were still able to come out with a victory. And part of that was the way Alabama played. And you know, you can talk about. You mentioned it. You talked about those uh, center. A quarterback center exchanges and they were in the dirt all day long and quite frankly cost them on the last play uh, of the game when when they needed to score rather in overtime because if he gets that thing cleanly the guard and tackle have wrapped around and I know a lot of people are talking about when he's throwing it to the back he was not that was going to be a quarterback run yeah, right was, yeah. uh, the, the outside linebacker of uh, the safety that was blitzing off the edge so you know, that would have had a chance. I mean, you still could have made the play, but, you know, you would have bet that the, a 220-225 pound quarterback coming downhill would have been able to, to, to win that matchup. But it didn't happen that way. So now Michigan uh, finds themselves in, in a championship game, and, and Jim Harbaugh is feeling really good about his program, and, and, and he should. His, his players have played at high level. His coaches have done what they needed to do all year to get them to that next step. Uh, but this is going to be a heck of a game and looking forward to it. I would, I, I'm with you, man, because this is a battle of wills. Uh, and, and speaking of will, Will Johnson, I mean, he basically shuts down your best receiver. But mm-hmm. this challenge comes in because between him and, and Mikey Sanderstein, you're, gonna, you're looking at at least three, four NFL caliber receivers when mm-hmm. it comes Washington. So there is no, well, let's just shut down Marvin Harrison Jr. and let the other guys do that. Because if you shut down a doomsday, this McMillan, there's like all these different receivers. And oh, by the way, you know, Dylan Johnson, the running back, is like the forgotten guy out of the group. He's the guy that won the Oregon champion, the back Pac 12 championship game for him. Everybody talks about the passing game. If you're Michigan, like that defense was the defense was able to confuse Alabama's offense. Do you think that they can dial it up again? Mentor, mentor won that game between him and, and, and Sharon Moore. They were the MVPs. They should have mm-hmm. got trophies because their scheming mind blowing. How on fourth and two, you somehow got Bama to forget that Blake Corn was on the field mm-hmm. and he just catches it and runs the ball down 30 yards. Yeah. It's the scheming. Are those who are going to be able to come up on a, on just a week's preparation and, and, and figure this out? Because I 
look, I, I got to think that they probably thought Texas was going to win, so they probably had, in case we beat Bama, we're going to be focusing on Texas. Well, Texas didn't win. Yeah. In that week, do you think that they can come up with those different schemes and wrinkles that can slow down this Washington team? Yeah, I mean, let's, let's, let's be clear. And this is, <laughs> and trust me, I am not trying to say anything about science feeling or anything, advanced scouting. Oh, I wasn't this doing there. Yeah, no, no, but I, I, I want to make sure that, that people understand my comments. When you, when you find out that you're going to be in a 14 playoff and you know who, you're, who your opponents are going to be, that's why you have a back office. That's why you yeah. have uh, analysts on your staff that are going to go through and break down the films and the things that they needed to, to know and, and different ideas that they may have. So you better believe, yeah, they enjoyed that flight back to Ann Arbor, but also on that flight back to Ann Arbor, there was data that was going to be able to tell them about this matchup and the things that they needed to do. That data being because you know they, they have scouted them. They've watched the film. They understand what these teams do. So they know the possibilities. So it's a little bit different than when you're playing during the regular season and you're not sure trying to project down the line. Once you know who the four teams are and the – the opportunities, who are the two teams you have an opportunity of facing, you're able to do the scouting that's necessary to get you all the, the real deep dive that you need. Now it's a matter, now, then it was a matter of just the coordinators going back and saying, okay, well, I think we can do this against them. We can have some success doing that. But I think one of the things that's been forgotten about, we've talked about the Joe Moore Award going to Michigan uh, the previous couple of years. You know, guess where it went this year? It went to Washington. Yeah, it did. <laughs> and went to Washington. So, you know, you start to look, and, you know, there's some there's some things. This is not a team that um, uh, that, that can't be physical, that doesn't want to be physical. They're, they're getting things done. And uh, the matchup is, is going to be what it is. But I still think that the Michigan is going to have to come up with the different schemes. You talk about this, the schemes uh, with Quorum being able to, to really what it does and what they did was really put Alabama's uh, – second or back half in the conflict because they really didn't know what was coming. If they were pretty much trying to play zone and sit back, they had people going across the formation. Michigan did all day long. And if you were uh, two steps late, it was over. It was going to be a touchdown. And that's really what you saw a lot with a lot of the crossing routes that they were able to have uh, success with. Yeah, I mean, and, and you go back to uh, what you said about the, the special teams because – from the missed extra points, I mean, Michigan made – they won the game, but, man, did they make it difficult for themselves. The, mm-hmm. the botched, two botched punts, especially the last one, Howard, you, you played the game, man. 99 out of 100 times, that ball bounces into the end zone. Somehow, not, only, not only does it bounce into the forget, – forget it bouncing into – you're not winning the game with the mistakes that they had yeah. during the regular season against an inferior opponent let alone in a playoff scenario. Yeah, but I'm just like, they overcame them. How do you fix that? Because, you know, the uh, I forgot his name, but the second guy that went back there to field punts, is, he's the sure-handed guy. And, and okay, let me back up. First of all, has the game changed? You go to the different schools and you watch the practices. <laughs> no way. I remember you just put your heels on the 10-yard line and you wave your hand for the fair catch, and you—if it goes—if you see it's going over your head, you run up like you're gonna catch it, but really you let it bounce. Mm-hmm. More and more, we're seeing players go back and catch the ball with, you know, within from the ten yard line to the goal line. And I've never understood like why are you putting your team at a disadvantage 
chances are the ball going to go out of the end zone mm-hmm. and you're going to get it on the 20. Is that something new that's just being taught nowadays? Well, I think it's been changing uh, probably over the last five or six years. And you've seen, you've seen guys now, you know, they kind of – it's the eight-yard line that may, be the, that may be the mark. But I tell people this all the time. If you have never caught punts, if you go try to catch a punt and stand in one spot, it, 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 it doesn't happen. It, right. it really doesn't. I mean, you, you're focused on the football – you're starting to track the football and, and find out where it goes. And before you know it, your focus is so much on where that football and trying to secure the catch that you absolutely forget where you are. Unless it is just so clear cut that you know this thing is going over your head and into the end zone. It's those in-betweens, right? It's the in-between ones that become tough. I, I get it. It's easier said than done to say, put your heels on the 10, put your heels on the 8. But all of a sudden, you start tracking that ball. You start to the right because it's going to the right, and all you need to adjust, and you're following and tracking, and then you find yourself in a bad position. And, and that's not an excuse, but that that's reps, and that's really what happens to these guys when they're back there. And we've seen it forever in the sport. So it's not like all of these people just don't know what they're doing. It is just a product and, and one of the functions of – trying to catch punts, particularly when they're backed up and you have a punter that's doing a great job of placing the ball. Well, Howard, I mean, I think they're going to have to win all the battles, offense, defense, and special teams against Mm -hmm. this team. Yeah. You have to slow this thing down. And and I said, when they played Alabama, the magical number was 24 last week because I had a a Bama guy who covers him on. 24. First team to score 24 last week was going to win. I happened to be right because it was 2020, and then Michigan scored first. Once it went to overtime, I said Michigan's winning this game because Bama's not built. Michigan is built for college overtime. Bama was not. Mm-hmm. If Alabama would have scored, if I was Nick Saban, I would have just gone for two and tried to end this thing because there was no way you were going to match Blake Corm. Blake Corm is built for overtime in college. Yeah. You can't stop that. I think the magical number, and once again, is going to be 24 for me. 24 is if you keep Washington to 24 or less points, you win this game. Mm-hmm. If Washington scores more than 24 points. That means that Penix has got this thing going, that Dylan Johnson actually got, you know, shot up and he's out with his ankle and he's out there out playing and making – because everybody forgets about Dylan Johnson. Right, yeah. Because you focus on the receivers. You focus on Penix and this offense and the offensive line – it was Dylan Johnson, I think, rushed for over 200 yards against Oregon in the Big 12 championship game. He was the clear MVP. I don't, I don't even think Penix threw for a touchdown in that game. Now, he threw a lot of passes. Mm-hmm. But they, they rolled Dylan Johnson. Ironically enough, it was Dylan Johnson who almost got them put out because he gets injured. Right. The clock. I, I, Howard, I'm, I'm, I'm watching the game. There was 50 seconds ago. And – once he ran up the middle, I'm like, okay, doing the quick math. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll probably get to about 10 seconds left. You know what? At that point, told my girl, hey, let's t- go drop me off at the airport. I had a red-eye flight back okay. to the mm-hmm. So I'm dry, listening to the satellite radio, like, let me just hit a post-game celebration. And they're like, was well, Texas's ball with 50 seconds? I'm like, what yeah. just happened? You need to turn around and go back. No, we got. I got to catch this plane. I, I thought I timed it out just right. 
listening to the whole thing. They ended up winning the game. They made it a lot more difficult on themselves. For Washington, I will say this. I think a lot of people – Washington doesn't win games pretty. If you, I followed them all year long. They find ways to just never put teams away, which is why I think they kind of never got that credibility that people are like, oh, they're the best team out there. Mm-hmm. It's People call them the luckiest team. I, I don't think so. I just think that they have a problem putting away teams. This is going to be a game. Michigan doesn't make a lot of mistakes. That was very, to me, very uncharacteristic of what they did on special teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Washington – you know, Penix is good for a pick or two, and Michigan makes you pay. Now, what you can't do, J.J. kind of got lucky. The first play of the game was an interception, but because the guy's heel was on the chalk, it got taken away. But I think everybody in the Big Ten kind of felt the same way, like, wow, it's going to get started this early? Oh, boy. But they, they – I'll give Michigan credit for everything that's going on outside. Yeah. You want to call it outside noise, the whole uh, sign stealing scandal and and, and the recruiting thing from 2020. I've never seen a team just not only block it out, but they have taken that negative and and, in that locker room, they've turned it into a positive. Like they are so isolated and in a bubble. It's like you guys realize what's going to happen later. Don't care. We're trying to win. Don't talk to us. You know, get thee behind me, Satan. We got a championship to win. Yeah, and, and that's a – actually, it's a it's no doubt a, a Nick Saban's playbook. And it's a be where your feet are. Yeah. It's not us looking in the future or looking in the rearview mirror. This is a team that's been focused and been dialed in the entire time. And really, you've heard this coaching staff talk about this team that way since the very beginning. Um, you know, being on a mission, trying to go out and, and do something that hasn't been done uh, in a long time. So I, I, I'm at this point not not at all surprised that they've been able to block out all the noise because the other thing, too, is, you know, they're playing for one another. They're playing for themselves, and they think that's the only – believe that that's the only thing that's important at this point. Listen, there there's, there'll be plenty enough time to – when other things happen probably in the future or whatever happens with – with Coach Harbaugh, whether he's in Michigan, whether he's in the NFL, it'll be plenty, plenty of time to be able to deal with that. But this team is dialed in right now to, to this last game. And, and as, as hard as it is to run the table and get to this point, uh, I mean, you have to give them credit for, for being that focused and, and that driven to have that one singular goal to go out and uh, try to win a national championship. And now they find themselves one game away. Yeah, and I mean, you look at this team, man. The funny thing is, I guess, Howard, is is there a paradigm shift happening? I mean, I'll I'll say this. For a while, it was the SEC. And then all of a sudden, Clemson crashed the party. And and it was like the championship game went through South Carolina and Clemson. Then it went back to the SEC. This is now two future Big Ten teams. Mm -hmm. USC, UCLA, also going to be joining in the mix along with Oregon. Is the Big Ten now going to become that conference? Because ironically enough, Texas, which was joining the SEC, <laughs> didn't make it. No SEC team yeah. in the national title game almost makes it seem unreal because we're always used to LSU, Georgia, Alabama. One Somebody from the SEC is representing yeah. in this game, and you're not. 
in theory, you got two Big Ten teams, the current and the future one. Mm-hmm. Is this the beginning of a shift where the Big Ten, they were always a have when it came to money and power. Yeah. But on the football field, it was always the SEC's world. Has mm-hmm. the Big Ten crashed that party? Or are they in the process of crashing this party? I, I think that I think it's a process. I, I think it's 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 one of those things that you know, it just depends. It's a flow, the ebbs and flows of it. I, I think at the core, what it shows you um, with these future Big Ten teams that are coming, the ones that, that really were at the top of the heap all year, whether it was Oregon, whether it was Washington, right? You talked about Michigan, talked about, you know, not so much Ohio State was there, but Ohio State wasn't really that. When you talk for what I'm getting ready to say, they had quarterbacks that ultimately were difference makers. And if you, if Michigan, if, oh, I'm sorry, if Alabama had a different quarterback, maybe it's a little bit different scenario. They weren't built to beat a Michigan team that could do so many things defensively. They didn't have all the weapons that we're familiar with them having on the outside and in the backfield. Uh, what we're seeing, though, it, what it comes down to, if you have the the best quarterbacks, and the best quarterbacks this year were, were in the Pac-12, that's that's where they were from top to bottom. That's where you would say they were. Um, and, and I think you will always need that person to be able to make plays. Yeah, you're going to need that defense, but you're going to be able, you're going to need to have that player under center who can change games for you and just not manage the game. And this year, the Big Ten had those guys, and the Pac-12 had those guys. So we see what we're seeing now. But in the future, who knows? It depends upon how they continue to develop. Yeah, but now it's going to come back to the quarterback position. It all it always does. Now you're right because I, man, I, I look at the quarterback position, and it's going to. There's not really anybody coming back that's that difference maker when when you look at it. I mean, everybody. Uh, unless J.J. McCarthy comes back to Michigan for another year, mm-hmm. when you look at all the other quarterbacks, they've either left, hit the portal, or gone. Yeah, I mean, I guess Dylan Gabriel going out to Oregon would mm-hmm. be the best QB in the Big Ten. It, it, it does. I guess to, to piggyback on my last statement, man, I – I, I just wonder, is this an anomaly where you're seeing the Big Ten kind of rise up this one year? Because I have a hard time seeing them follow the success up because of the lack of quarterback play, unless somebody just comes from nowhere and just blows us away. But, yeah, I mean, Dylan Gabriel probably best QB and, and, and maybe Drew Aller at Penn State. Those yeah. are your best. And there's some guys. I mean, SC has a, a young quarterback on the roster. I, I mean – yeah, they recruited well, but we don't know, you know, how that's going to translate. They still haven't gone out and, and played. You mentioned Drew Allen. We thought Drew Allen would, would be everything for, for Penn State. And that was really one of the things that was going to get them over the hump. And it didn't quite play out that way. But there are some young, talented quarterbacks out there. And uh, you look at Ohio State, I refuse to believe that, that they're at this particular point not going to go into the portal. And I know we say, well, what's left in the portal? There's going to be another portal window open. And then, trust me, people will want to play at Ohio State if they're looking around and they're going to find that person that's going to best put them in situation. Because I think one thing that Ryan Day going into the game probably felt like he 
wasn't going to go into the portal, was going to roll with what he had on the roster and his uh, incoming true freshman was going to roll in that direction. But by the time that game ended, he felt like he needed to evaluate the entire program. And See, I think uh, losses do for you. Yeah, I think if um, Ohio State uh, Liberty's quarterback was uh, Caden Salter, mm-hmm. would probably be the guy that I would bring in there. I think he would be good enough because Ohio State will always have talent. It really is. Can you plop that quarterback in there and and really become the point guard and distribute the ball and keep the running backs happy and keep all your quarter, I mean, wide receivers happy and hit that tight end? They got the talent. But, yeah, for Ohio State, I mean, it's – if you're Ryan Day, um, I, I, it's, it's, it's to say this is your make or break year. Anybody else would take your success and say yes. But as we know, with top teams, I mean, when LSU fires their entire defensive uh, coordinators, you know what? This ain't LSU's standard. This is everybody else's standard. For Ohio State, Ryan, you out of excuses, bro. You keep losing to Michigan. And I got to think that Buckeye fans are going to be even angry if, if Michigan wins the national title. Right. Why can't we compete with them? Why can't we beat them? I, I look for him to, he's got to really go all in and find that QB because Howard, I can't see him suffering a fourth loss to Michigan and, and keeping his job. And I'm not, I'm, look, I'm not advocating for anybody to get fired. I just, mm-hmm. I'm putting it out there. I, I just know Buckeye fans. And I know, like, parents of former Buckeye players, let me tell you, they are furious. They are not happy with what's going on in Columbus. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's not great if you're an Ohio State fan at this particular point, seeing your, your rival uh, have an opportunity to, to win a national title. Um, but this is, this is, I mean, I think one of the things that, that NIL – and also the portal have, have done, and, and we've watched it, we're watching it right now at, at Alabama, is that it is it is truly leveled the playing field at a lot of places. Bama's had eight or nine guys or nine or ten guys going to the portal yesterday, um, you know, that, that are wanting to go in a different direction. And, and you know that they've done a great job recruiting. Um, well, I think one guy is not a big shock, Howard. It was the center. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. When the center went into the portal, I, you know yeah. what? That was probably a good idea for you to get out of town. Uh, so yeah, so you know, it's just uh, I think, but it's leveled the playing field for for a lot of places, and to be able to stockpile talent, it has become you know more difficult. And you even look at Ohio State from this standpoint. You know what type? Of, all we talk been talking about really for the last three or four years, at least three of what a, a dynamic receiving room that they have. But what are people complaining about today? But what are Buckeye fans complaining about the development? Who was able to get on the field? Who didn't get on the field? And, and why did, why that happened? So a lot of people are, are now all of a sudden questioning Brian Hartline's coaching ability uh, at, at that position when he's gotten guys ready, you know, the entire – the entire. Uh, yeah, I mean, it amazes me how you go from being the hottest name and all of a sudden you're a bump. I, I, I call it the Matt Campbell syndrome. Because I remember when Matt Campbell could have had any job in the mm-hmm. country, pro or college, and now it's, he's like the butt of a joke. Like, oh, well, Matt Campbell. Like, yeah, Brian Hartline. I remember during the whole process for MSU, there were people who said, maybe you should go get Brian Hartline. He should be the head coach of Michigan State. And now, yeah, this, he's now he's being questioned. Like, amazing what happens when you lose. When you yeah. win, you're the greatest. When you lose, you're an idiot. 
Hey, listen, uh, Jason Campbell, Candle over at, at Toledo. Yeah. One of those guys that was hot around the same time. But I think it also shows, man, that um, you, you still have to go out and produce. And, and I think one of the things that's heightened everything, I mean, you look at the payroll at Ohio State, I think they've got eight coaches making a million or more. Um, so it's, it, you know, there's more scrutiny. There's already a lot of pressure there. Um, you know, there was talk that, that Brian Hartline might move on so he could be an offensive coordinator. Well, they make him the offensive coordinator at, at Ohio State, and things didn't go the way they wanted to. And next thing you know, and it probably wasn't all his fault, but, you know, the offense was sputtering. They, they were struggling in third down. Ryan Day decides he needs to take it over again, at least have more input in it. And it just – what it shows you is just how much – uh, I would say pressure, scrutiny, and the expectations are for winning championships. And as hard as they are to, to win, you're, there's going to always be, uh, if you're one of the, the franchise places and blue bloods, you're expected to be in the middle of that conversation each and every year. And it doesn't matter if, if you may not have uh, a certain a particular player that can play at that level, because you, you know what the response is going to be. Well, you recruited them. Yeah. You made the choice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, 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 not, it's not the kids' fault. So what, what are we talking about here? So, yeah. man, it, Paraphrase it, ourselves. You bought the grocery. Yeah. yeah. And that's why, listen, I, I've been saying this all year. When we go in this 18 teams with uh, no divisions, expectations for athletic departments have to change when it comes to what you deem is successful for your football program. Because yeah. it is it is about to be. I've, I've said that, Howard. Either I think it's three tiers. Either you're a championship or a bust team program. You are a what I like to say. Okay, can we get to nine wins program, mm-hmm. or can we make a bowl game program? Mm-hmm. You're one of those three. Now, it's, where's the fan base and the level of expectation? If you're, let's just make a bowl game program, then you're happy five and seven. We got a shot if we win this last game. Maybe we can get that thing. If you're a championship program and you win consistently nine games, you're probably getting rid of your coaching staff and you coming up to having to come to Jesus moment. Why, you know, we, we keep winning nine, ten games. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, like with Bo Pelini at Nebraska. That's not good enough. We need <laughs> four. Yeah, you know, be careful what you wish for because mm-hmm. heck, one of the most successful coaches at Nebraska, but he just he didn't win enough games for them. Hey, uh, couple that, couple that with this, right? Because there's always going to be, uh, because salaries aren't going anywhere; they're going to continue to escalate, right? So if you want somebody, you're going to have to pay them. Well, what if you're a, a team that all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, is you're getting to a bowl game? Your bowl game. Are 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 you going to be okay with paying your coach seven million dollars? I'd probably say you're not. Yeah. So you you're, you're not, and that's you know that's that's where we are right now, and because people are looking at the head coach and they're looking at the biggest games, and then they're saying, well, wait a minute, we're paying him what? And yeah. it's, you know the fan base is what you know what's going to drive that conversation a lot, and it's. That's why the expectations, to me, man, the expectations have to be reset because uh, this is gonna this is gonna be difficult. Because oh, the, the fact of the matter is, we're looking at a situation now 
where there are going to be some programs that aren't that, that it's not even realistic that they're going to make uh, a championship game, and, and you may not even be able to have an opportunity to get into uh, the twelve-team playoff, and that's I'll, going to how I follow. I, I think the new standard now is: can you can you become a top fifteen team? Meaning that you're in the conversation into the final week for one of the playoff spots. That's mm-hmm. the new bar that you can you cross that bar. Now, some teams, Michigan's Ohio State's gonna always be like, we got to win the national title. Mm-hmm. But I look at like a team like MSU and what Jonathan Smith, can you at least get them into the 12th seed? And that's a victory. We can move on from there. That's the next step. Because yeah, you're right. If you're not making that 12-team playoff, because I think that once you pay a coach north of $7 million, that fan base and that athletic program is looking for, you know what, over the next five years, we need to be in the playoffs at least two times. That to justify why we have you here. And and don't forget, you know, you've got that group of five. And oh, by the way, if they're not in that top, you know, 12, (laughs) they've got a spot. If If they're 14, Guess who just got that 12th spot? Oh, that's just going to be fodder for you guys to talk about on the TV shows. This ain't fair. Oh, by the way, hey, committee, thank you for sparing us the whole Florida State. We saw what the Florida State was going to do. I know people popped it out. It's like 25 guys. I I understand, Howard, that beating was still going to happen. I mean, Georgia – I, I expected, like, a boxing ref just to come out there and grab the FSU quarterback and just wave it off and say, nope, this fight is over, it's done. 63-3, to three, I was like, whoo, wow. That was epic. But, yeah, I, as much as we complain, it looked like the committee got it right. You had two competitive games for the second year in a row, and now you got one versus two, undefeated versus undefeated. We complain, we bitch, we moan. They got it right. It looks they got like it right. It. No doubt. Oh. Howard, we'll wrap this thing up next week. We'll have a new champion. Yes. I promise you this. The new champion will play in the Big Ten next year. There, that's a true statement. We don't have to worry about that. <laughs> All right. We'll do that. We'll look forward to next season and, uh, you know, some things like that. What to look forward to in the spring camps. But, Howard, until then, happy new year to you. Happy new year to everybody out there. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the Five Star Zone. We will be back next week to crown a champion. I'll see you there.